love that song. Come on. He won't ever fail. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah? Is my TED Talk mic on? Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> he won't ever fail, and he has never failed. He was actually completely 100% victorious. I love talking about that. I love talking about the victory of Jesus because he wasn't just a little bit victorious. He was completely victorious. Amen? You guys awake this morning? Come on. This is the day that the Lord has made. Come on. Oh, I need to move this because I'm going to be pacing. All right. Now, like Tersha said, she preached that message last week. That was incredible. I was like blown away. Fire, fire, fire. Who was here last week? Awesome. So we're kind of kind of continue on that vein, um, not because it was planned, but just because that's where we're at right now. <laughs> kind of as a church body, like, man, we've, we're, we're in, we feel like we're in the trenches right now. And it's a really good thing because if you're not facing any adversity, if you're not facing any resistance, you're going the wrong direction. So I'm actually really thankful for it. You know, we could kind of sometimes like bury our head in the sand and think that things are coincidence, which sometimes they are like, you know, we live in a fallen world, bad things happen, right? Right? But sometimes if we're not, if we don't pay attention to what's actually going on, then we miss, we, we miss what's, you know, what's actually happening, if that makes sense. We're missing like that, you know, some things could be calculated. Some things can be strategic on the enemy's part trying to get us shut down. I was even reminded about the word persecution, which was, what was that word? Bala, which means to like wear down, right? It's not to like come and just like wipe something out or, you know, completely demolish something. It's to wear down. So when we face persecution, it's like, it's just a little bit here, a little bit there, just a little irritation there. You guys ever had, um, had like sand in your shoes? or like a little little rock in your shoe, that just gets, like, at first, it's like, well, that's annoying, but it can get so irritating that it's debilitating, right? And it's a wearing down. This thing's, like, not staying on my ear. You know, talking about the victory of Jesus, see, it all started back in the garden. And I, I, I talk about this all the time because I think it's really important because we need to understand this. See, when, when Jesus, when, when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden, and he actually said to, to subdue the earth, right? To, to multiply, to take dominion over the earth, and we all know what happened is, you know, they were, uh, they were deceived, they fell into sin, then we had the fall of, fall of humanity, and where Adam and Eve had this authority to go subdue the earth, it was actually handed over to the one who deceived them and the one that they partnered with, the one that they agreed with, right? Amen. Are you guys following me? Yeah. See, because we actually see this example in Scripture. Actually, in the New Testament, when, you know, when Satan takes Jesus and, he, and it says he takes him to a high mountain, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, right? And he says, you can have all these kingdoms if you just bow down to me. And some of us laugh and like, like oh, well, they all belong to him anyways. But the thing is, he legally gained the cities, the kingdoms of the world by deceit, by humanity partnering with him. So Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to bow down to you. Actually, I'm, and, and like, 
beg for this, and as I worship you, I get this stuff back. It's like, no, actually, I'm going to wipe the floor with you. So, and, and, right? And Satan thought he won, right? He had Jesus, what we, we know, like Jesus goes to the cross and Satan's probably laughing like, aha, got him. He's dead. But little did he know that Jesus was not only the spotless lamb. He was the priest that actually took away the sins of the world. He actually accomplished everything and goes, ha, ha. Right? That Paul actually talks about, <laughs> Paul talks about how, Jesus made a public spectacle of him, dragging him along as a con- this conquered adversary, as, as kings of the day would do. They would conquer a king, and they would bring them through the city and drag him through naked. Like, look at this guy. Look at this conquered foe. Satan is that conquered foe. Amen. So Jesus, he conquers Satan. He goes to Hades. He sets the captives free. He gets back the authority that was lost because Jesus is actually the second Adam. The first Adam got it wrong. The first Adam brought death. The second Adam, Jesus, brought freedom. He brought the spirit. He brought the, not the law. Yeah? Oh, I thought you were saying something to me. Like, what? Did I miss something? Okay. So he gets the keys back. He gets the authority back. And then what does he do? He gives it to his church. What? It's crazy. Jesus won. You know, I always wonder, like, Jesus, why didn't you just finish the job? You know, like, it's, uh, you know, he could have just easily done it, right? Just, just throw him in hell right now. And we could be done with this mess. Like, why wouldn't you do that? But the thing is, his kids... He wants to partner with his kids, and he actually wants to see a true reflection and likeness in his kids, Amen. right? I was like, imagine like, you know, like, you know, some bad guy, and, you know, dad holds him back. Come on, son, give him a couple hits, you know, hit him in the gut, you know, like, think that's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's holding Satan back so we can punch him in the gut. So today we're talking about being more than conquerors. You can see on the screen or on your sheet. But before we get to that, I, I want to start in Romans 7. I've been in, in the book of Romans um, this past couple days. Um, it's such a dang good book. Like, if you guys are not in the Word, you got to get in the Word. I'm sp- you got to get in the Word more. Um, <laughs> but Romans is amazing. It lays out the whole gospel. It lays out everything. It's so good. So as I was reading... Romans 7 caught my eye. I was, I was reading about, because that, that word more than conquerors kept coming to my head. I'm like, yeah, we're more than conquerors. But that, then when we read that, you know, read that verse, you got to get some context to it. So let's start in Romans 7. We know that the law is spiritual. This is Paul speaking. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. It's confusing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. You guys catch that? Okay. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For I, in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Okay, who feels like they can relate to this? Anyone? Yep. Who feels like we, someone can sometimes use this as an excuse? Well, I mean, Paul said it, so, uh, you know, I do the things I don't want to do, so I'm going to go do this over here, right? Anybody? Here's the thing. This ends up with Paul saying that we are more than conquerors through Christ. So how do we get from over here, I'm doing the things I don't want to do, I'm stuck in sin, to over here that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ? Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that we don't experience this. I'm not saying that like sometimes we make bad choices and we do stupid things, right? Anybody do stupid things sometimes? Yes. But here's the thing. Paul, in chapter 7, is talking about his life bound to the law. Let's continue, Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So the antidote to that, I don't, I'm doing what I don't want to do and I'm doing all this stuff over here. The antidote is this, is there is no longer any condemnation in Christ and he came and took care of it. We are no longer bound to the law, but bound to the spirit. Amen. So Paul is saying, I no longer have to live like this. I get to live empowered by the spirit to walk out of this stuff. You guys following me? Is anybody offended? Okay. <laughs> awesome. Some people, like, some people cling to stuff like that. Like, no, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Ooh. Right? You were. If you're in Jesus now, you're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. And saying anything different is calling God wrong. So he says it in the word. You are a new creation. Come on. When we're bound to the law, that's our reality. When we're looking at our sin, we're going get, to get into our sin. You know, um, when we give ourselves the don't, we don't realize that we're trying to keep the law. See, and here, here's, my, here's a disclaimer. I'm not, what I'm not saying is that anything goes, right? I'm not saying that anything goes. See, Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride, right? Purity is important. Purity is so important. I think we could give ourselves the excuse sometimes to just like, well, you know, I can't out God's grace. I can't out God's God's mercy. It empowers me to live righteously, Paul is saying, as I try and keep the law, it causes me to look at my sin. And as I look at my sin, I sin more. See, um, we did this whole, did a, a sermon on shame. And the crazy thing about shame is shame is complete bondage. How many of you know, like, um, if you're trying to, like, quit something, like, quit a bad habit, or whatever, and you shame your way, try and shame your way out of it, like, oh, you need to feel really bad that you're doing this, how many of you know it gets worse? Anybody experience this? Anybody? It gets worse, right? Because you're looking at that, and you're like, I am such a bad person, and then you, like, feel worse about yourself, so you go do it again, and then you feel worse about yourself, and you're like, oh, I'm a piece of trash, so you go do it again, and you start talking, like, bad down on yourself, and then the enemy's like, yes, just keep going, keep going, yes, I'm a piece of trash, I'm a piece of garbage, I'm a worm, 
which is not the truth. When we live in shame, we're living in bondage. If you're living in shame this morning, um, we're gonna have we're gonna have an altar call here pretty soon, and we're just gonna break that off. Okay, so if that's you, you probably feel that poking on you. Like that's me. I'm dealing with shame. I feel like garbage. I feel like I'm unworthy. I feel all these things. If that's you. You're gonna get freedom this morning. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. Because Jesus says you're 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 free. Come on. God is sanctifying. Okay. So uh, keep going. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. Hang on, where am I? Oh, I like jumped way ahead. Anyways. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So how do we get from, like, I'm a worm to we are more than conquerors? (laughs) That's pretty wild, right? Like, you can't just, like, like I feel like I'm, I'm this piece of garbage over here, but I'm actually a conqueror. You know, that doesn't make any, any sense at all. So we have to receive that. We have to accept the fact that he brings us from that, this place of, like, I have, I have no self-control. I can't do anything about this. I have a sinful nature. I can't do anything about it, too. Actually, Jesus died for me, and he restored me, and he's actually allowing me to live by the Spirit over here to we are more than conquerors. And the thing is this. More than conquerors, I love how the NASB says it, we overwhelmingly conquer. The word, um, the word there is hooper nikao, and it means to be more than a conqueror, to gain a surpassing victory, to vanquish beyond, gain a decisive victory. It's to more than conquer. It's not like a you know, Jesus, he, whew, that was a really close one. Jesus almost didn't make it. He just barely beat the enemy just by, by, you know, just a photo finish there. It's like, no, it was a decisive victory. It was a perfect victory. And we get to walk in that victory. Why? Because we're God's kids, right? You know, the crazy thing is, um, we're always talking about the law, we're not under the law. It's true, we're not under the law because the law was actually fulfilled and abolished when the new covenant came into the, on the scene, right? There was like a, like a 40-year period in between where they kind of both ran simultaneously, and Paul was talking about how the old is becoming obsolete and shall soon pass away, right? So the thing is, when we're talking about the law, you can't actually live under the law anymore. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ, you're either in the wages of sin is death, or I am, I am born again and I am raised to life with Jesus. So that's just saying, but it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that when we focus on, on the wrong thing, we go to that thing. 
You're either in death or in life. So you could try and be a good person, but it doesn't address the problem of being dead in sin. The wages of sin is death. It's all about keeping your eyes on Jesus. Okay. So like we were at men's ministry the other day and I nerded out a little bit and started talking about Lord of the Rings. I'm like, it's kind of like when, uh, you know, they're at Helm's Deep and they're losing the battle. And then, you know, Gandalf comes over the hill with the riders of Rohan. And then he rode down the hill and, uh, and, he, and he defeated the enemy. But you know what? He didn't just slaughter them all there. They actually, he, he got them running and then they started to pursue the enemy. You know, it's like that. We're, con- we're more than conquerors in Christ because what does that imply? Being a conqueror, more than a conqueror in Christ, what does that imply? There's still stuff to be conquered. Right? If there, <laughs> he didn't say we're just victors in Christ. He said we're more than conquerors. And what do conquerors do? They conquer. Con- they don't just like, I just, I win. No, they conquer. Overwhelmingly, surpassingly conquer. Just devastate. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who loved you. Not on my own, through Christ's love. The, God of the, the love of God is the most empowering thing in the universe. If you know that you're loved by God, you can do anything. If you know who you are in Christ, you can do anything, right? When I, when I step out and I'm in, insecure, and feeling like God doesn't love me, then I'm, I'm not going to trust, right? I'm not going to walk in faith. The good thing is, Jesus did it all for you, right? I love this. Paul says, so trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, 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 famine or nakedness or danger of sword, shall this stuff take us out? no. In all these things, all those things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He set us up to win. Yeah? Hello? He set us up to win. Right? Okay, so um, years, years ago when Caleb was like this tall, where's now he's like up here. Caleb was this tall, Joshua was this tall, and Jaden was this tall. We, had the, we thought, we're going to be really creative with our Christmas present with them. So we were like, okay, we had this whole plan. They were like, I don't even remember what they were into, but we are just going to have fun with them. And we bought them airsoft guns, and we put together this whole mission. It was like this special forces, like whatever. Like we, we put together this little, these little pamphlets, like here's your mission. And we like, I, I dressed up like a terrorist and went to the top of the hill. <laughs> And I don't know if I think I had a hostage or something. And, <laughs> and um, so I was waiting on top of the hill Christmas morning. I had my own little airsoft gun. And so these boys got these pamphlets like, here's your target. He has this hostage. You have to go here. You have to get these supplies. You got to go, you know, to this place. And you have to, you have to take this route around the hill in order to ambush him and complete your mission. So this was really fun. They were very excited. They didn't get just like little toys. They got, they got, a, they got a mission. So, <laughs> so I, I'm like listening to everything happening down on the hill, and they're very excited. And they're like running around all like laughing and giggling and like gathering up all their supplies and their little backpacks and their little airsoft guns, and they're putting on camo and like putting stuff. Did they put camo on their faces and stuff? I don't know. It was awesome. Anyways, 
So they come up the hill, and I'm just like, I'm like, ah! like shooting my gun in the air, and then I'm like shooting at them. And, and the thing is, like, this was their Christmas present, so I'm not going to shoot them. Like, I'm just not. So I let them, they come up, and they just take me out. Like, I'm destroyed. I'm dead. They get the hostage. They completed the mission. They were set up to win, right? They were totally set up to win. There was no chance that they were going to lose, right? Because their parents and their crazy aunt and uncle decided, we're going to do this thing for them that they're just going to have fun and they're going to win because it's Christmas. <laughs> I could have just been like, ha, ha, got you. Um, but I didn't. Jesus set us up to win. And I'm not talking like, you know, like, oh, Jesus wants you to have this easy life and you're going to get the mansion on the hill. And, uh, you know, you get the whatever. I'm not against mansions on the hill, Jesus, but, uh, you know, I'll take that. But that's not what life's about. He sets you up to win because there's going to be giants in your life. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. See, Jesus didn't promise an easy life. He actually said, you will have trouble in this world, right? But then what did he say after that? But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right, So we get to walk in the victory of Jesus. We get to see the giants fall because if he just did it all for us, what would, be, what would life be? Right? If, if we as his children, if he can't see us mature and grow into who we're supposed to be, what would life be? It'd be pretty dang boring. I know some of you are in trials right now, and I'm not trying to downplay that and say, oh, it's easy, just, you know, whatever. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I am saying this, is that God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? Right? And we're, he, Paul is writing this, like talking about true persecution, persecution of the church. church, blah. And I'm not saying that church isn't facing persecution, especially around the world. I'm not saying that, but we're talking, you know, talking this, this is the church that was persecuted, like being thrown to the lions, persecuted, being rounded up and killed, persecuted. In this world, you, have tr- you will have trouble. That word trouble means oppressing Pressing together, pressure, anybody feeling pressure? Yep. Oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress. But he says, all these things that you're facing, the pressure, the hard things, the things that you can't explain, the things that you're mad about, the things that you're like, what the heck, God? Why are you letting this happen? He's taking all those things and he says, take heart, I have overcome these things. So guess what? You are to overcome these things. Amen? Amen. You will face giants. You will face adversity. I can't think of a more sad life than a life that's not tested. A faith that's not tested. Because what's faith if it's not tested? You know, like even we're talking about the, you know, the things happening over here. Like it was like an overnight success. It was crazy, like Church just said. And it was, wasn't easy, but it was like, oh, this is good. Everything's good. Yeah, come on. Very good. And then all this stuff happened. It's like, oh, immediately there's a peace. But it's like, oh, faith isn't real until it's tested. So now that we're walking through a tough spot, now God's like, are you going to trust me? See, we, James 1, 2 through 4, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Okay, I'm going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize, actually. 
this is just where we're at. I think I feel like I was looking through my other messages. And I'm like, am I repeating anything? Because I feel like everything's been a blur. Like Jeff said, where's Jeff? Jeff, he's like, hey, man, I noticed something. Every time you guys get up, you always say, it's been a crazy week. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so this is just where I'm coming from. Like, I'm, I'm feeling really intense. So I apologize if I'm coming off super intense, but just life's intense right now. But we're getting after it. Like, I believe this. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on, right? James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Ew. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. God's will for you is that you would lack nothing. And how do you get there? Trials and tribulations. Yay! <laughs> Woohoo! So when a trial and tribulation comes your way, instead of going, God, I'm angry at you, what the heck are you doing? What do we do? Yay! <laughs> Some, maybe someone, in, and I'm not, I'm not coming across like be, trying to be lighthearted about it because there's some real stuff going on in this room. But the thing is, God is faithful. He is faithful to carry you through. He's faithful when he says that you're more than a conqueror. He's faithful and he means it. He's not going to say you're more than a conqueror through him if he doesn't mean it and he's not going to carry you through that. God is faithful. See, what's, what is the other option than that? than considering it pure joy. What's the other option? I think the other options are you can get bitter, you can get mad at God, or you can just be like, I don't know, you fill in the blank. What else? Unbelief. Unbelief. Yeah, unbelief. Yeah, give up. In the wrong way. Yeah. Self-pity. Did I hear self-pity? Yeah, self-pity. <laughs> that, that helps. That's it, Tersha. Whenever, like, <laughs> oh, never mind. I mean, we don't don't we so easily have our little pity parties, and it just takes it takes community to pull us out of it. Like, hey, you're having a pity party, snap out of it. I'm not saying that if you're having a real hard time, you can't process and, and grieve. I'm not saying that. Pity parties are different. <laughs> Why do we consider pure joy? Because we're already victorious. We're already victorious, and as we walk through trials, we become more and more victorious. Why? Because we're, we're gaining perseverance, and we're, we're lacking, going to the place where we lack nothing. I think so much, of, so much of us want to be there, but we try and get there in the wrong ways, right? I want to lack nothing, so I'm going to fill it with this thing right here. I want to lack nothing, so I need that to make me feel good. Or I need, I need this status, or I need to, to like, you know, have people perceive me a certain way, or have this certain identity. But the thing is, we, get, we lack nothing when we actually walk through the trials with God, and we learn who he is in the process. We learn his character in the process. So as I just told you, like, now we're, you know, do all this and be conquerors. Oh, yeah, come on. Brought me to Exodus 14, uh, 10 through 14. So this, this, is, this is, okay, so Moses, he, he, you know, the plagues happen, and, and Pharaoh is finally like, let these guys go. So they let them go. The Israelites are coming out of Egypt, and they, um, they get to the Red Sea. 
you know, and, and, and God, it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart, and we're like, oh, God, you're so mean. Why are you doing that? There's all sorts of theology around it. I'm not going to get into it, but the thing is, Pharaoh's heart is hard, and once again, he says, why did we let these slaves go? We're crazy. Why did we do this? So what does he do? He's, he gets all his chariots ready, and he says, you go get them back. So they're pursuing them all the way to the edge of the Red Sea. So they, they're, they're, they're getting close. God tells them to camp in a certain spot, and he wants them to camp there. He wants them to look vulnerable. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Well, just kidding. I'd probably say the same thing. <laughs> What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will never, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. See, with all this stuff, we can kind of get, we can do everything we can, right? We don't just sit on our butts. We partner with God. Like God gives you a word or something. It says something. He wants something for you or something in your life. You don't just sit back and wait for him, right? I think we think waiting on the Lord is like, okay, God, I'm just going to sit here. No, it's not sitting and doing nothing. We actively engage with God and we step in and we, we do things, right? We're active. Our faith is active, Faith without works is dead. We are active. We actively partner with God. But the thing is, when you get to the end of that, then what? Then you sit and you watch the Lord fight your battles. I needed an excuse to use this chair. Yep. This is happening right now. So I got this awesome chair. Okay. I feel like this chair was prophetic for me because God wants me to rest more. He wants me to live in a place of rest. See, we do everything that we can do, but then after that, hang on one second. Put my little zipper here. One second. Ooh. And then we watch. We know what happened, right? God shows up. He splits the Red Sea. Do you think anybody expected the, God to split the sea? Like, read through the story. Like, it's not like the Israelites would be like, surely God will split the sea for us, you know? Uh, no one was thinking that. They're like, we're going to die. But what happens? They sit. Moses says, wait. What does he say? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then I was reminded, too, like this was one of the words that Sharon gave us years ago regarding finances, actually, um, because we were struggling, like struggling so, so hardcore. And then Sharon's like, I really get the sense that the finances, these are the Egyptians that you will no longer see. This is the last time you will see these Egyptians. So we're pulling on that um, for what Tertia was talking about earlier. Trust in God. 
So the worship team could come up. Do you guys remember um, who was at the who was at the tent any of the nights? Yes, awesome. I don't remember the guy's name, but he was awesome. He was like crazy, um, crazy awesome. But he's like, man, I uh, I tried all the things. Like, I tried doing these things for God. I tried going to Bible school. I tried, it was just, anyways, yeah, tried going to Bible school, tried doing all this stuff. You know, I did all the right things, but nothing was changing for me. And then he said, one day, I just gave up. He said, I'm done. I'm done. And then he said, I don't forget what he, exactly what he said, but essentially it was like God's like, finally. Right? In order for us to be more than conquerors, it has to be through him who loved us. Not in our own strength. Not in a place where... Anyways. <laughs> I feel like maybe some of you might feel paralyzed in this room. Like you just don't know what to do next. Like you've tried everything. Like you hear the word like, oh, I'm, a more, I'm more than a conqueror. I don't feel that at all right now. I think that last verse, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I think there needs to be a surrender this morning. We we're actually just talking about this the other day. Like there needs to be there's a huge yes in this room. There's a huge yes from this church, what God wants to do. But I, Jeff and I and Tersha, oh, hey, Jeff. <laughs> we were talking the other day, and it's like, man, can you imagine if, if just everybody gave their yes and everybody just said, whatever you want, Jesus? Like, can you imagine that? What if, what if everyone was there and just imagine what God God does with one yes. Imagine what he does with a corporate, corporate yes. Anyways, this guy says, I just, I just gave up. Does anybody need to give up this morning? Anybody? Anybody need to whip out your lawn chair and just <laughs> sit down? <laughs> So the last, uh, the last verse in, in this chapter of Romans, I'm just going to kind of give a little, okay. It says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then Paul goes into this. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Any separation that you feel is on your side. Because Paul says right there that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation in Christ. There is nothing that can separate you. If you're feeling that disconnect this morning, I just invite you just to lay that all down and say, this is God, this is not from your end, this is from my end, and I lay it down, I give up, I surrender. Anybody, anybody. Me too. Okay. So right now, actually, I'm gonna, 
ministry team, can you guys come up maybe just strategically, maybe just strategically around the room, or maybe up front. We're doing up front. Come on. We're doing an altar call right now. If that's you, I need to give up. I need to surrender. I need God to fight for me. If that's you, I invite you for it. If you want to, if you're, if you're just feeling a tug to get your life, to recommit your life to Jesus this morning, I invite you to come up. If you feel like I need to commit my life for the first time, I invite you to come, come up. Um, if you would like to get baptized this morning, I invite you to tell whoever's praying for you. I'm gonna get, I want to get baptized this morning because we're actually ready. We're, gonna, we're, ready to ba- we're ready to do baptisms every day, honestly. We don't do like a baptism Sunday. It's like, you want to get baptized? We're doing it today. Come on. All right, so I invite you to come forward, Lord. We just give a corporate surrender right now. We just throw our hands up. We say, I give up. We say, Lord, you fight for us. You said we are more than conquerors through, through you who loved us, Lord. And we just accept that. And we say, Lord, you fight for us. Lord, you are the ultimate conqueror. Lord, you won the victory. You fight for us. Thank you, Jesus. There's plenty of time to, if you if you didn't want to come up because whatever, that's totally fine. But there will be ministry happening um, until we're done here today. So if if that if that's you, don't don't leave. Amen. Come on.